0: this is the detroit is different podcast network the culture of an american classic city
1: all right back again in the detroit is different studios and i got a homie of mine like usual in here but this is a man that it's hard to keep up with one of the people that's a freedom fighter for the city of detroit also the nation also one of the coolest people you'll ever meet donnell white how you feeling today
0: way it's good to be here brother thanks for having me my man
1: all right. All right. So as we get into this whole idea of what's happening with freedom fighting, freedom fighting in Detroit means that you stand with the gold. And you stand with the blue, the NAACP yes, long sir. lasting. Yes, sir. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the culture of the Detroit NAACP, because if anybody that recognizes the organization from the outside may look at the NAACP like it's, um, I don't know, like a recreational center uh, group club or something like that but in the city of Detroit the NAACP has a lot of history going back to many of the professionals many of any of the black business organizations and also taking stances on behalf of many communities outside of the black community as well let's talk a little bit about the history of the organization before we get everything started
0: you got away before I get going though man I do wanna you know I uh, kinda alluded to this before we got going but proud of you my man for what you're accomplishing here. I'm sitting here in the Detroit Is Different studio. Yes, sir. Uh, it's official. It's homegrown right thank here you. in the city of Detroit. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And that's that's true to who you've been since I've known you, brother. So I just wanted to, as we start down this road, man, just to let you know that uh, I, I appreciate you honing in on your craft. You've been true to the mm-hmm. game, true to your mission. It's inspiring. Uh, and I've, I've taken a lot from it. And so it's a pleasure to be sitting at the table with my brother. Uh, and one of the realists who was doing it in the game. And so uh, the Detroit NACP, you know, we uh, were started as a branch in 1912. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go all the way back to 1909 when the organization was started in New York, New York. Uh, rewind three years, you had the Niagara Movement. You had about 24 uh, brothers from 14 different states who mm. crossed over the, over the waters, over to Canada, right outside Fort Erie, and was talking about, some really uh prolific things and and it's kind of unheard of but they was talking about home ownership Hmm. (laughs) they was talking about voter empowerment they were talking about economic parity uh this was over 100 years ago Hmm. right and and here we are 100 years later i said that jokingly saying uh, the same thing (laughs) exactly the same fight Mm -hmm. uh different tactics different day uh different uh enemies if you will Uh, but here we are in detroit Uh, started in 1912 we still remain the largest unit in the entire country we have stellar leadership our president and the Reverend Dr. Wendell Anthony Mm -hmm. uh, who's doing an excellent job in providing visionary leadership but also providing space uh, which I think is something that's critical uh, for a young brother like myself and there have been multiple uh, multiple examples uh, for individuals who have found a home who have found airspace Mm -hmm. Uh, where they can raise their voice and uh, build their legacy of activism uh, at the NAACP. And that's because we had leadership that supported that. Uh, We had leadership who allowed us to step up, who allowed our ideas to be heard, who allowed Mm -hmm. us to have a seat at the table, uh, who allowed our minds to shift beyond the confines of our city limits, uh, gave us opportunities to travel uh, locally and abroad, uh, and so, so I'm appreciative to what we've been able to build and sustain at the NACP. Uh, you know, way my journey. I started out about 15 years ago volunteering at the NACP. Transitioned to answering yeah. phones. NACP. Was, how can uh, I help you? That was you know, uh, that and, uh, was big Afro <laughs> yes, Donnell White. Uh, Donnell White oh, yeah.
1: used to have like an Afro, like big Afro Donnell White.
0: Uh, oh yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna write a book on that. The uh, hairstyles of the movement. <laughs> uh, you know, that's 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 something to be said about that. <laughs> You know and so you know we, so we were able to, to find that space and you know coming up as a volunteer transitioning to uh, office assistant and answering the phones and you know it's indicative of, of what it meant to be in the movement for me is that you know oftentimes our colleagues are in our demographic you know we have this get rich mentality you know get paid mm-hmm. you know now you know, versus paying dues now, you know, and to understand that we are part of a continuum, a legacy of, of fighters uh, who've been on the front lines, you know, to enter into that NACP space. You know, we were at the old branch over on East Grand Boulevard, you know, the building had a little lean to it. You know, you couldn't walk up the stairs without taking a side step or two, uh, but it was character. And to understand the type of individuals who walked you know those hallways and up and down those stairs. You know it was a uh, it was all inspiring, and not even to get so much into my family legacy in terms of civil rights and labor uh, rights activism, uh, but it, it meant something uh, to be able to continue a legacy of fighting for freedom, being a drum major for justice for those in our communities whose voice has been marginalized, and so to transition on from office assistant to, you know, because I was able to show up with brothers like Way and others and in, and in, and. In, and yes. Tyson, uh, my As, brothers uh, and sisters, uh, which is how I think I got the brothers to the meeting, but that's a whole other story, too. And, um, uh. and
1: let <laughs> me say this. Uh, many a times, Donnell has has called me, uh, given me opportunities to uh, do a lot of different things, whether it be just get on stage and have a platform to. You know, I got opinions about everything, especially in Detroit or perform or even opportunities that I wouldn't take advantage of to be in leadership positions. Donnell White has always been one of the biggest supporters of me through. A whole lot of things where mm-hmm. it was hard to get any support mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things and one of those connections as I'm real cool with your brother right. and also your mother and you right. know my mother it's right. it's a family atmosphere that right. carries over and it's always been a family to me even though exactly as you talk about the Detroit NAACP and w- Wendell Anthony we kind of touched on this in a conversation before this Wendell Anthony it's a lot of opinions and sometimes I think that anything dealing socially Kind of goes into politically and people are very personal about a lot of things and and take things very personal. Uh, And Wendell Anthony is certainly a polarizing figure throughout Mm -hmm. the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. So how does engaging beyond the figure of the, the ideas and the naysayers of Wendell Anthony, um, how do you engage and continue to get people active with the branch beyond who any personality
0: is? Yeah, well, that's an age, you know. That's an age-old issue, you know. When mm-hmm. when Martin was leaving the leading the civil rights movement through the South in Alabama, you know, it was C-L-C. brothers and sisters who were saying, you know, why why y'all want to get with that brother, you know? And and mm-hmm. now, you know, fifty years later, you know, everybody, you know, I marched with Malcolm, you know, I was in the streets, but well, yeah, everybody wasn't with Malcolm and and Martin back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's important to to recognize uh, visionary leadership when you see it Mm -hmm. Um, and on the other hand you know our our community has earned the right to be uh, critical of its leadership Um, to a large degree we've been let down Uh, we've been uh, oversold a bill of goods about what we will deliver for our community and it hasn't happened and it's left a layer of skepticism Uh, but in terms of leadership of Reverend Dr. Wendell Anthony I mean he he doesn't just talk the talk; he walks the walk. You know, you have a couple mm-hmm. type of generals. You have the general who says to his troops, "Hey, go take that hill," and you have the general who says to his troops, "Let's go take that hill." Uh, he's definitely been that kind of general who wants to mm-hmm. get down on the front lines uh, with his troops, with his community, uh, to make a difference. Um, and and the, and what he does in the NACP space is a volunteerism. You know, so mm-hmm. after he pastors his church after he runs uh his uh, think tank the uh, freedom institute uh, after he heads his uh, political engagement the fan lou hamer and does many other things you know he comes and leads the nacp and so you know i would challenge anyone and it's really not a challenge as much as it is an invitation uh to reach out you know come to the nacp uh get to see his leadership at work uh and 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 not only like me but like many uh, I think you will find a deep appreciation for uh, the level of uh, passion and compassion uh, that he brings uh, to this fight for freedom uh, in our community. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's easy for me uh, because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in big footprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reverend Anthony and others on our board and who are heavily engaged through volunteerism with the branch have provided a, a clear path for me to be able to grow and develop in this space. Uh, and so, um, I, you know, I, I'm able to challenge, you know, everything isn't, you know, it is not like, you know, you're, you're robotic, you know what I mean? And so I have Mm -hmm. ideas, I have thoughts, uh, and by being a little bit on the, on the front end of the movement, you know, they're sometimes they're different. Uh, and so, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when I come to a board meeting and I'm talking about exciting concepts behind, You know, what does it mean to have an impression, you know, and and to get, you know, millions of impressions on our social media footprint and, and others, you know, sometimes you can see this glare. You know, but it's like, but we raised this brother in the movement, so let's give him space to be creative. And I found that, you know, not only true for myself, but others uh, who have grown and developed within the association. That leads to the next question as
1: well. As you talk about the movement and just identifying with anything socially and generally social engagement or any community engagement takes place as people kind of look at that out on the other side of their career they look at it like in retirement i'll help out the church in retirement right. i'll help out the community in retirement i'll help out my alumni right. or whatever that may be even my family right. so being a younger person active in that space what is it like and what relationships have you gathered interacting with so many of these elders mm-hmm. that are like kind of like past the prime of where they were in the hustle and bustle of growing up.
0: Right. Yeah, and I get it, you know, um in non-profit world, we call our demographic tweeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, cuz when we were young, you know, our parents was dropping us off, getting us engaged, you know, telling you boy, you you know where you, you knew where you had to be. Uh when you're in college, you were active, right? We, we were black caucus, we was doing the fraternity sorority things mm-hmm. and uh, volunteering, volunteering down at the uh, soup kitchens and doing all those things to get you active. Uh, then something happens. You get out of school. You transition, and it's like, wait a minute. You know, life hits you. Them first couple bills show up. You know, you struggling. Do I go back to school? Do I do I juggle starting a family? Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't work thirty hours, will my you know will my colleagues at my job think I'm committed or not? And so you, you just find yourself in a unique space and. Um, it's, it's hard for you to get reconnected uh, back to the movement. But I would challenge individuals to just take a look at the status of your community. Uh, take a look at the neighborhoods uh, that you may have come out of, but look where your, where your grandmama still stay. Look where mm-hmm. uh, some of your cousins are still located. Look at where the majority of our people are. And when you look at the city of Detroit and you go downtown and you're like, wow, you know, where we can remember 10 years ago, it, it was nothing like you see now. Um, uh, not at all my brother right. but then you extract yourself out of downtown and out of midtown and you enter into some of our neighborhoods right
1: right here and this is my my grandmother's yeah. old house this is your neighborhood now it's my my home and it definitely uh it definitely does
0: not look like where you would expect a podcast studio to be. exactly exactly and, there, and there's no connection to downtown or to midtown and so is it's basically two narratives that we're having about the direction the city is moving in. And so until mm-hmm. that that excitement, until that um, development flourishes into our neighborhoods where everyone can enjoy it, you know, we have, we have reason to step up and to speak out and to get involved and engaged as young adults uh, here in the city of Detroit. And so I say all that to say is that I think at the NACP, you'll find the space uh, for uh-huh. your ideas. You'll find the space for your thoughts. You'll find the space to... Uh, become active in terms of being a part of the change as we move forward
1: i remember one of the last things that stood out where it was a lot of critiques and it was kind of something similar to this i was speaking on this um it was a radio show that uh, internet radio show where it was after a rally that happened and you called for me to be a part of that rally and it took place down after the trayvon barton yep Incident, and it was right in Hart Plaza, yep. led by the Detroit NAACP, and also the UAW. Right. Now, after that, I'm on this radio show, and they were like, man, why didn't you rap earlier, and why didn't you do this, and why didn't you do that, and why didn't... And being that I've done certain things, it's a level of critique and skepticism and just suggestion without solution that many people have so where is that space for someone kind of hitting that learning curve that comes in with a lot of energy and a lot of ideas but kind of really doesn't understand the system mm-hmm. how, how, how do they hit that curve because there's so many people that have these ideas without having to understand it for the context of the institution the system the programming right. that exists
0: right yeah you, you use the keyword way and that's institution uh, mm-hmm. there are a few organizations that have hit that status to be able to be viewed as an institution versus a an organization mm-hmm. or an NACP certainly uh, has answered that call uh, to be still standing here a uh, hundred plus years later um, that that says something uh, and so coming in with some ideas um, you know we catch a lot of flack we're not a, a service oriented organization and I say that to say that that means you know on Thanksgiving, you won't see us doesn't mean we're not doing it, uh, but we're not out on the corner doing the, the Thanksgiving turkeys. We're not organizing the adopt a family Christmas present gifts to the community, per se, mm-hmm. even though we so. And, and, I, and I say that's not who we are, even though we do operate in these spaces, uh, but because we are a policy oriented uh, advocacy organization, a lot of people don't really know uh, where the intersection happens of when the NACP gets involved, right? Uh, and so, you know, I'll give you a classic example. I had a brother come to my office. He said, hey, man, I'm starting a bowling alley on the east side this is something the NACP need to be a part of, right? And I'm like, okay, brother, help me understand here what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. I, no, I get it, black like entrepreneurialism and economic sustainability yeah, no. and some of our Stop core Stop bowling issues. with the white man. <laughs> 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 but so, you, you know, I, I get that. And, and, and I say that to say is that ultimately, you know, we are expected to be a lot of things to a lot of different people. Yes. Um, and we have a very finite mission. Uh, you know and i always use the example no one looks at the american cancer society and says i'm not going to donate a dollar because you don't do anything about leukemia you know what i mean you know who they are you know what they represent but that leads us to something again way as we were talking you know the need for the nacp not to change our mission uh, but to alter our tactics and so to enter this space in terms of our marketing and communications about mm-hmm. Who we are, what we're working on, I think ultimately communicates to individuals uh, and allows them to see where they can be uh, fruitful and engage us as an organization. Mm -hmm. And if it's not us, that's cool. Uh, We're not going, you know, we're not for everybody. But if it's not the NACP, you should be down at the Urban League. And if it's not the Urban League, you should be at your local church. If it isn't at your church, you should be at the PTA meetings, Mm -hmm. working with your kids. Uh, if it ain't that you should be at your community neighborhood uh, if it ain't none of those you should start your own thing and come down into Detroit is different and tell people about it and, and and we'll come join your movement you know but if you ain't doing none of that and ain't willing to come down here and promote your own thing then it's time to, to step back and, uh, and and bite your tongue for a minute and, and be schooled on how you can engage uh, other agencies and individuals on on how you can make a difference in the community
1: now as we're talking about this just a moment ago before we got into the podcast interview, <clears throat> you were watching the Philando Castile dash cam interview, mm, uh, mm, dash cam footage. Mm-hmm. And you said, have you watched this? And I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of got into this discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, both black men now on the other side are looking not as young black men. But we remember when we were younger yeah. and would get pulled over way more frequently. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> just... In the argument, it's many people that say, "Well, right now, this is the function that we need within the black community," mm-hmm. and this is an argument often led by a mutual homie of ours, Brandon Justin. Mm-hmm. It's so many needs in the black community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How understanding of you are when a person says, "I know that's not what you guys do, but shouldn't you guys be doing this right now because mm-hmm. we need
0: it?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's that's mission critical. Uh, you know, our our community is in ICU right now. Um, yeah, it's kind and, of been in
1: ICU since um, ships have hit West Africa. Uh, no
0: question, uh, no uh, question. Of the Portuguese,
1: it, the Spanish, the, the French.
0: You know, and, and that's a symptom is that you come in with one ailment, uh, and then you know, in ICU, system critical uh, failures begin to happen, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you we find ourselves where our criminal justice system is failing. Uh, mm-hmm. We find ourselves where our education system is failing. Uh, We find ourselves where uh, jobs are too few and and unable to support Uh, Mm -hmm. the community. It's failing. Our transportation system is failing. Uh, And so we're stuck in this ICU moment where all our critical systems are failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you'd be surprised that the NACP is operating in a number of these different spaces. And so uh, as a strategy, oftentimes we don't always rush to the camera or rush to the microphone and say, hey. You know, we brokered this deal or, hey, we got justice on this front uh, because sometimes the moment dictates um, strategy uh, and sometimes the moment dictates uh, outward action uh, so that the community can see that difference is being made. Uh, and, and, and to kind of bring it into to clarity, uh, you know, kind of this is the, the elevator speech here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we just say, well, what does the NACP do? Why do we need the NACP? You know, we have what we call our six game changers. Versus economic sustainability, and we're doing, you know, I won't go into extreme detail, but we're doing a number of programs and initiatives and advocating on a number of policy fronts on all of these levels. Uh, but first is economic sustainability. Uh, that means we care about jobs, we care about training opportunities, we care about procurement opportunities, uh, fair wage, and the list goes on. Second is the NACP hallmark issue, and that's education. Uh, so we're fighting for not only board governance, which gets a lot of the, the local attention these days, uh, but we're dealing with the overrepresentation of young men of color being expelled as, as early as kindergarten. Uh, yeah, we're talking right. about the funding and equity gaps. We're talking about the quality of the schools. Uh, and so that, that is an NACP hallmark issue. Uh, third is health and healthcare access. Uh, so we're pushing our healthy active lifestyle initiative in the black community. We checking out too early from stuff that we can manage and maintain, uh, and so we're talking about the big three, brother. Exactly. Heart disease. A- absolutely. Diabetes. Absolutely. Hypertension. A- a- absolutely, which comes from stress, from all this other stuff we talked about. The ICU you talking about, <laughs> you know, you're and, talking and, about exactly, yeah. and not knowing how to how to filter that. And so the healthy mm-hmm. active lifestyle promotes um you know how to live a healthy active lifestyle how to put the chicken under the stove sometimes and not always on top of the stove you know that's the grease on top of the stove right yes sir brother and so drink drinking Try water to touch your out of business brother exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that seasoning they put on there there's that's something to be said about that though
1: as i always say i don't like being out of a 5 bar radius of a you buy we fry exactly. establishment brother exactly exactly i'm conditioned <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you, I think I think I, You were going on Some other points But I do want to Go right to I, I already know You're about to head to this mm-hmm. As people talk about it And <clears throat> One of the Most beautiful things That I've ever Witnessed about The NAACP It was this documentary That was probably Produced in like 1984 I had to watch it In this Political science class mm-hmm. And I was taking A political science class Just because I needed A social elective
0: Mm-hmm
1: And God knows, it was like this old lady, she had this documentary, and she pulled it. I don't even know how she had the VHS tape still. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about Charles Houston and the way he established precedent for Brown versus the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, let me explain. It, It was so thought provoking in the way it broke down a whole lot of how laws work Mm -hmm. so the systems of a lot of the NAACP when I think about it it's the legal redress and the way that it's worked with attorneys for eons Mm -hmm. so when we think of most attorneys of color and Mm -hmm. also women white women Mm -hmm. and people of color most of their first work as attorneys was connected the to the NAACP, right. and the NAACP has created landmark precedents that have established against these laws that were completely jest, But it's used the system in the best way because it first was like you know, you know, it's it's like Tupac used to say, you know, people just run up and bum rush and say this is unfair, this is unfair, this is unfair, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, it's no precedent for it being mm-hmm. unfair. So you had to establish a precedent. So Charles Houston is one of the. Uh, One of the first, I guess, brilliant mind black attorneys in America. Mm -hmm. And what he stood for working with the NAACP was saying that, all right. It's unfair that black people don't get the same opportunities in education Mm -hmm. or any institution that is. Mm -hmm. So because these opportunities are unfair and these are public institutions, and right now we have this whole concept of separate but equal, Mm -hmm. he had to specifically find different candidates to enroll that were qualified to enroll in a series of different institutions. So like it'd be colleges, it'd Mm -hmm. be high schools, it would be grad schools, And that way, Mm -hmm. these people would not be denied that opportunity just due to the public institution having to aid and abet these people and what it said, even though they really didn't want the black people to be in there. So he established a precedent over, let's say, two decades Mm -hmm. and worked with attorneys like. The late Thurgood Marshall, the Supreme Court Justice, and a lot of people say the first black Supreme Court Justice, but if you really know, he was the person that tried the case for Boer versus right. the, uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, which basically used all of the work of Charles mm-hmm. Houston right. in a series of probably about 16 different attorneys mm-hmm. over the years, even more. I'm, I'm saying mm-hmm. 16, probably about 50 different attorneys mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. as a way to fight that. Mm-hmm. Sentencing laws, mm-hmm. the whole, you know, you get basically 25 years for, for crack rock right. a lot right. of that was marijuana work.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah
1: marijuana that's work if you have your if your brother can get caught with a rock right now and, and you know get home without being sentenced for a long time mm-hmm. that's the NAACP that basically mm-hmm. helped set that up. Oh, yeah. And a lot of other laws especially mm-hmm. the lead laws when it comes to anything unfair in polling and elections mm-hmm. are all laws and justified of fights that the NAACP is making. Right now, I think a lot of those landmark fights are happening in North Carolina because North Carolina seems to be one of the most backward states ever when it comes to election laws.
0: That's right. William Barber, you know, is down in uh, Carolina doing a yeoman's task and holding it together. Uh, But voting rights is uh, one of the premier issues of the day uh, for us as an organization. Uh, And we minimize the impact, you know. um, On one hand, I understand the frustration and the apathy about not getting out to vote You don't want to be a part of the game. Uh, But at the same time, by not being uh, in the game, uh, you are ultimately allowing the game to thrive how it was designed uh, to impact your quality of life against you. Uh, And so, you know, we, we have an aggressive, you know, our fifth spoke. You know, I I didn't mention criminal justice and public safety, but our fifth uh, game changer is uh, voter empowerment. And that's why we're so aggressively working on registration efforts, Mm -hmm. Uh, not only in the community, but we've been registering individuals in jail. Most people don't know that if you're in county jail and have yet to be convicted, that you can vote on Election Day. Uh, And when you tell individuals that and you see the look on their face like, really? You know, and they get excited about wanting to vote and change. Exactly. But so but but see how polarizing it is though, right? Because now your life has been flipped upside yeah. down. Yeah. And you're in this polarizing situation about mm-hmm. the and you have the passion to make a difference. And that same passion we wish individuals had where they were in the neighborhood, you know, when you look around and you see, you know, you say, you know what? i'm tired of my neighborhood looking different than other folks neighborhood and and i'm gonna make sure that individuals are representing me uh, who have my best interest, who don't just you know send me something in the mail but who come and sit and talk with me on my Mm -hmm. porch you know who are sitting in my in my church pews on sunday every now and again so i know that i can relate to them and so you, you you hit it spot on you know the nacp we're engaged on a number of fronts um, you know our legal team is, um, is, is rivaled by, by none. none you know we have individuals and you said it you know to say that you're doing something in the legal space and not to cite that you've come through uh, the NACP way you're a person of color you know, or and, a woman and, 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 and rare and that goes on both sides of the aisle you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the chief of staff for the White House Reince Priebus uh, who was the head of the Republican Party uh, happened to be in the same room with his brother As I introduced myself as the executive director of the NAACP, uh, after he allowed everyone else to introduce himself, he said, you know, I wanted to acknowledge the fact the NAACP is here. I started my career out volunteering at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Yeah. Uh, And that just goes to show, you know, but as Charles Hamilton said, if you're a lawyer and not engaged in social change, you're a parasite on society. And I think a lot of people have taken that to heart.
1: And, And really, the NAACP offers attorneys. In mixed conditions, but especially young attorneys, Mm -hmm. an opportunity. It's so hard if you're a young attorney to get a a door to open for you because it's the game. I mean, it's a business. Whereas the NAACP has cases and cases and cases advocating for people that not only need the support, but really don't even know the context or the frame of reference mm-hmm. to present what they have to an attorney. Mm-hmm. So I'm also advocating for the people that are looking for support from attorneys and bringing together, like, I, I guess what what now a lot of attorneys like have when you watch those weird infomercials or weird commercials. It's, it's like... The NAACP has led class action lawsuits on behalf of American humanity mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for years and years like that's the best example I can I can almost give because the quality of life that the NAACP is advocated for legally is really for the quality of Americans to just have a just space. Mm -hmm. And it's sad and it's tragic Mm -hmm. that generally this is along the lines of black people and we're dealing with so much in our communities. Mm -hmm. So, as we talk about dealing with so much in our communities and you're you're just in you know you're like me. We all have families, mm-hmm. as I say. Even LeBron James, I'm sure, has contacts in his family, contacts in his phone, that are are struggling with American poverty. No question. How how do you find it being that you have access to all these business people and all these different business leaders um, that you stay engaged socially? when i'm sure you've had many opportunities to break off and go into the private industry like what keeps you grounded working socially as opposed to you know working at being an executive at many of these different places in and around the metro detroit area
0: great question way i mean it's the old uh, adage about you know what it means to be significant versus successful um oftentimes you know we place value you know where you live what you drive yeah. uh, what your title is behind your name uh, and there are so many people who are making a difference, you know, um, in terms of the quality of life. Uh, I've had an opportunity to have different titles, have different um, jobs, uh, but nothing has been quite as satisfying as when you make a difference in someone's life um, or when you organize and lead a movement, you know, that has served as a pressure valve, you know, for the community because that pressure builds up, right? Uh, you mentioned Trayvon, you mentioned Castillo, and others. And, and when we've done these direct action moments, you know, you've allowed to release some of the pressure out of the community. Um, when you organize and you change policy, where and you push, you know, uh, big box companies to um, to hire, you know, folks that look like us in our community. Uh, when you force uh, development projects to be centered in the neighborhood, um, you know, you, you can't take that away from the movement. Uh, no more than you can take it away from the grandmother who held down the corner house on the block when the mm-hmm. rest of the block was going to hell and cut her grass and planted flowers and and provided the space for people to have hope uh, that all isn't, you know, going down the drain. And yeah, so it says a lot. When absolutely. You,
1: when you have the house in the hood where nobody will throw a hot Cheeto. Bag.
0: Absolutely. Because, you know, better, uh, and, yeah, and yeah. when you know, better, you do better. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, to, to be in this space where. You can make a difference it's, it's not about the money you know and and i believe if you strive to be significant you know success will come in the long run um success will you know have different measures uh in terms of what that means to you as an individual uh, but i've never you know done what i've done in terms of you know be a part of the movement or built a vast network uh because i had you know goals of getting rich and riding off in a super yacht one day Mm -hmm. you know it was all about you know staying connected and true to who I am and who you know my family legacy have been uh, and being committed to making a difference in this community that when Donnell transitions on that somebody hopefully says that brother made a difference in this community
1: yeah, yeah, uh, uh, in a lot of ways. And I got a couple of stories I'm going to poke at you. But mm-hmm. as you talk about that significance, I definitely have to ask, what was the experience of being a Detroit police commissioner like? <laughs> because you were so young mm-hmm. on a commission and then a the police commission. I remember when you accepted the the responsibility, you were like, I'm about to probably be on a police commission. And people even <laughs> ask me, and it's like, you know, I'm adamantly against police right. on many a levels, right. for many a reasons. Yeah. But what was that like? What was the experience like being a police commissioner being a young black man in that position.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, to there's probably no other polarizing moment that I can point to in my career uh than to be the head of the NAACP uh and the head of the Detroit Police Department simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but it provided a, a interesting dichotomy and space to, you know, educate on both sides of the coin, right? You know, coming from a family where most men have been involved with law enforcement in one fashion or another, mm-hmm. uh, ranging from Michigan to Illinois, uh, and and definitely coming from a family steeped in civil rights and labor rights and all and and all that comes and also, with that. Also, I
1: know your family too, so absolutely it's law enforcement on both sides of the right, aisle, right. meaning that they were. <laughs> They were the bailiff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also the defendant. <laughs> right. right.
0: <laughs> so, so so, even as too, right? this uh, interesting space and in, uh, being in. Um, but I think it, it added a, uh, a certain level of authenticity to the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to come into a uh, law enforcement conversation uh, after having run down alleys with some of the troops, mm-hmm. you know, being in vehicles, being shot at. You know, uh, being in a car racing with the sirens on and and racing two situations where you know shots have been fired, uh, and on the other end of the aisle, um, you know organizing against uh, rogue police officers brutality. and police brutality that has plagued our community for for centuries. Uh, and so it's a uh, it was a it was a interesting space to be in, you know, we moved uh, the needle uh, on some policy matters mm-hmm. uh, with the department. Uh, we've done some, some strategic collaborations between the two entities, uh, and I continue to operate in that space, you know, uh, doing a number of things on different committees and boards, uh, not only here locally, but nationwide as well. Uh, and so it's, it's a uh, interesting piece, and I'll end on this note. A good um, friend of mine, uh, we were Rockwood Fellows for 2016 at the Rockwood Institute, uh, Umi Sela, who's one of the uh, co-founders of the uh, Dream Defenders. Uh, He started kind of similar to where you started. Where he said, "You know what? I actually hated police before." I've read in your bio, you was a police commissioner, and I wonder how could a brother this solid have -hmm. been in the police and it offered a different lens to look at, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that you know that 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 paradigm through. And so, you know, by no means am I saying you should trust all police, but at the same token. You know, I don't know that we can say trust all executive directors or trust all preachers or trust yeah. all anybody, yeah. you know, and so. But we have to engage the process. We have to hold them accountable. It's not mm-hmm. an easy job by any means. You know, I support law enforcement, but I support law enforcement who suit up every day and know the task that they are, are, are tasked with and go out and do it with honor and integrity, um, uh, which the badge calls for when you put that badge on. It is a symbol of honor and integrity. And for those who aren't holding up that moral compass uh, to that degree uh, needs to be ousted, not only from us from the outside, but from members of their own rank and file on the inside.
1: Yeah, it's very tough. And, And I definitely think that the job is almost impossible just due to in places like where I live, poverty has oppressed so many people where it's. Like PTSD or something like it's psychological because even with money, it's the mentality of like always hustling and, and right. hoarding things and, right. and equating every value to a material good and mm-hmm. and never and these insecure it's it's so much and mm-hmm. so oppressive like the the thought processes being tied to this to our community right. that exists and with that, crime seeming like so much of an opportunity. <clears throat> No question. Uh, especially in the generation you're from. It's mm-hmm. so, many, so many people that have done things that have been labeled as quote-unquote crimes. Mm-hmm. That, you know, knowing more of the American ethos. I mean, right now we have an active president that's mm-hmm. committing crimes. Oh, no but, question. But yeah, has just by uh, a different name, you know. And, yes. that's, and that's
0: why it's so critical is that, you know, why the work that we do becomes so critical and important that... If nobody's talking about the need for jobs, at the end of the day, I believe everybody wants and longs for the same thing. You wanna take care of your family, you wanna provide for your family, and you want a quality of life for your family uh, that allows you to enjoy uh, mm-hmm. life to the fullest extent possible. When you don't have these opportunities available to you where you can't even fathom, fathomably um, you know, dream Beyond your circumstance, yeah. uh, your circumstance dictates
1: the unreasonable starts becoming
0: reason. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, and the, and the underground economy is is twice as large as the above a ground economy. So 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 when we get up and go to work in the morning, uh, there's there's three other individuals who get up and go to work on a whole nother level. Right. And, I agree. It, and it's and it's not a, it's not the above board. Uh, economy mm-hmm. and so you know and, and 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 because they've been locked out systemically uh, mm-hmm. you know not just uh, you know the old adage in the narrative that oh you know it's hard out here for a brother you know when I'm, I'm talking systems and structures that have been put in place um, yeah. historically uh, that have deprived individuals of opportunity and still Systemic range true racism. today absolutely
1: yeah. so I mean like most most of the hip hop industry that that has thrived if it has anything to do with black entrepreneurship i definitely can say it was directly funded through some criminal element mm-hmm. probably more than likely either selling guns mm-hmm. or selling drugs mm-hmm. chances are cocaine or mm-hmm. heroin mm-hmm. that's that's just such a a, a linear linear connection mm-hmm. most black businesses that i know that got their start in the 20s 30s and 40s were funded right through the loans of many of the quote unquote numbers men Mm -hmm. the illegal lotto people Mm -hmm. I mean so many of the black businesses that we look to and say wow this has been around for like a 100 years Mm -hmm. it was a number man that had to give the money because lending practices were never built for black people in this nation like most of I would argue that America isn't designed or fit for black people to have success so we're we're the triangle looking to fit into the square mm-hmm. peg in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So definitely crime doesn't even seem like crime when the system itself is already in Oh
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're hungry, when you're sick, mm-hmm. uh, when you have mental challenges, you're going to do whatever is necessary uh, to self-medicate. To mm-hmm. feed yourself and to provide shelter for yourself and your family. I'm not condoning the illegal um, components of that, but you can't view it in isolation. You have to look at the totality, you know, of mm-hmm. the issue. You know, I always use one example where, and that's if you've ever had a toothache in the middle of the night.
1: What's the worst shit ever?
0: Um, you talk about agony and yeah. pain. Yeah. So imagine a brother or a sister that has that toothache doesn't have access to quality health care as we, as we look at the reality of this healthcare debate nationwide right now, deals with the reality I don't have the funds to go in cash, no. you know, pay for this service to be done. Yeah. What would you do to end a fake problem? You know, what would you take to alleviate the pain uh, that you're going through? Uh, what would you take from someone in order to and, and I say it hypothetically, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, moral compass kicks in, right? But until you've been in that situation, you know, with no other option, you know, I've been there where, you know, before they had the 24-hour CVS, right? And you can run down and, and grab you something that held you over until the, you know, dentist opened up in the morning, right? Uh, yeah. But without that, you know, I remember putting ice cubes in, i take that out, I'd use mouthwash, yeah. I'd wrap it with... Try to wrap one tooth with toilet paper. I did so many creative things, you know, uh, and at some point that creativity uh, starts to materialize in your mind and leads to some real solutions. And so, you know, we have to provide opportunities for our community uh, to be successful.
1: Now, I will argue, and this may be the conspiracy theorists, as people have told me sometimes, but it just is kind of, you know, from my business school background. Scarcity is something that America takes advantage of. So... Being that the whole idea of economics in America is based on scarcity, mm-hmm. meaning that it's based on few opportunities, mm-hmm. so the people with those few opportunities can exploit those that don't have mm-hmm. those opportunities.
0: It's a capitalist Now, in,
1: now, now, you know, John P. Key or an economist would explain it completely different. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's like, okay, I want to hoard everything I have so I can get the most from you mm-hmm. to get a little bit of this little that I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I would argue that people with resources not only don't want to share in those resources the reason they have a lot of resources is because they're not sharing
0: right you know America in all her beauty and all her glory uh, has some very real challenges mm-hmm. um, some systemic in being a capitalistic society mm-hmm. uh, the haves versus the have nots Yeah. Uh, and some entrenched uh, and a deep-rooted um, negative history of depriving people uh, indigenous yes. to this land, yeah. um, those who are not indigenous to this land but brought to this land. Uh, and so there's a, a deep level of uh, mistrust. Um, and, and that's and that's what makes our work sometimes daunting is mm-hmm. that you're trying to uh, move the needle, move the agenda, yeah, uh, and you're working with a subsect of individuals who have been... Uh, you know, bamboozled, hoodwinked. Yeah. You know, and and it's like I'm I'm tired of hearing the same old, same old. You know, but we still have to organize. We still have to mobilize to move our agenda forward. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I, I'm I I too am tired of the the same old, same old. Uh, but we have to subscribe that we're not only a part of this moment, you know, but we're a part of this movement. Uh, and it's not our responsibility to solve the problem. Uh, but it's our responsibility uh, to engage and be a part of problem solving uh, for this generation. And so I've subscribed to that as a notion that, you know, um, I hope under my leadership and under my watch and under my, uh, my turn, my lap on the, on the track, if you will, uh, yeah. that we can solve and, and check off some of the boxes of um, uh, systemic ailments that have plagued us as a community for, for decades and for centuries. Um, but if I have to hang my hat on the nail that said, you know, I, I ran my course of the race, yeah. I helped develop uh, some next generation. You know, absolutely, pass that baton on mm-hmm. uh, because it may not be in our lifetime. And and as we look at what's happening on our nation's capital, uh, you know, it's it's that proverbial we take two steps forward and and three jumps back, right? And so you know, I can only imagine. The damage that is going to be done in these next four years under our current president um, and and his cabinet of individuals who are, are, are unraveling yeah. many of the gains that we've had over the last uh, yeah. 50 plus years. You know, when you talk about the Voting Rights Act, they're trying to dismantle that. Uh, when you talk, you talked about Brown v. Board of Education and providing the quality of education, they're dismantling that. Yeah. Uh, when you talk we about the, a, the. We have
1: a director of HUD. I'm gonna get more just into going this. To
0: housing.
1: <laughs> We're about to get into this more And uh right now. A lot of people have these documentary projects coming out about 67, but I'm gonna wait till 68 mm-hmm. as I've been gathering information mm-hmm. about it as HUD was built to fight poverty. Mm-hmm. And we have a person that leads HUD that believes that poverty is a choice yeah, that people right. make. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: I can't believe that he's from the city of Detroit.
0: <sighs> you know this
1: <laughs> can't believe that he claimed coolie. But all Cooley cardinals, man. Y'all need to like slip some arsenic yeah. in his tea at the next alumni meeting.
0: Oh, no.
1: Since <laughs> Carrie Frazier, not supported uh, yeah, by Donnell White, right, absolutely. arsenic.
0: Yeah. All views of this. Did you put the disclaimer on the show before we got started? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or or no no. Let's okay. Well then this he doesn't believe in poverty. Let's just do this. Let's uh, you know. Let's uh, you know. Let's get um, somebody to let him walk a mile well I guess he did get that example where he was at Popeye's one day or I don't know whatever
0: yeah so you know and that, that just goes to show um, you know whether you're talking about Ben Carson or Clarence Thomas you know um, we're able to be cherry picked uh, in terms of individuals who are willing to accept Position of prominence to the detriment of their community. Capitulate. Absolutely, absolutely. Capitulation is a is a real uh, concept and thought. Uncle um, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that disclaimer gets out there before we uh, <laughs> before we get to the end. There. Um, but you know it's 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 a it's a challenging space. Um, it's a space for everybody to pick up, you know, a bucket with fires going on all around the community and choose yeah, which you one better, you want right. to put out. Um, And not only here locally, but as you look at what's going on around the country, uh, there are communities uh, who are just being uh, decimated by these erroneous uh, laws that are being passed, Uh, these legislators uh, who are so vitriolic uh, in their motives, Uh, and we're losing, we're losing a lot of gains that many, you know, of our forefathers and mothers, you know, spilled blood and or lost life uh, fighting to maintain, and so You know, the the urgency of now, you know, as you talk about the fierce urgency of now, uh, this time dictates that we stand up, uh, this time dictates that we speak out, uh, this time dictates that we coalesce and come to a common agenda, um, understanding that it's the end game in mind, not the, you know, not the the, the chess moves in between, but it's the capturing the queen in the end. Uh, of which we are seeking to do and and oftentimes we get caught up in the minutiae of the the movements uh and not the movement uh in terms of the totality of what we're Mm -hmm. trying to achieve and so um now is that moment you know if 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 you're listening to this podcast and you've been wondering you know well well donnell white ain't doing this and nacp ain't doing that and when you know now is that moment where you have to ask yourself you know am i doing all that i can do Mm -hmm. um and and if it's the time issue uh then then call me stop by the office just just put a bug in the ear and say hey these are my thoughts from from my vantage point my viewpoint in my neighborhood um and let your voice be heard and and let us fold uh your wisdom into the movement but to sit back and critique uh without engaging uh, is only adding, um, you know, insult to injury in terms of what we need to do to move uh, and to move our uh, collective agendas forward. And, and not only for this generation, mm-hmm. but for generations to come.
1: And that, that leads to the right next question before we wrap things up here with the classic Detroit is different questions. If you could go back to being 17 years old, heading into your senior year in high school, <laughs> right now, and you wanted to get active socially, Mhm. What would you do?
0: And how would you go about it, man? If I could, if I could revert back to being seventeen, um, not not is this in the in the present no, day?
1: Is, yes, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. So
0: I'm a seventeen year old in two thousand and seventeen. You know, and you're so, heading into your so, senior you know, year I, of high school. I have school. to I have to say though, wait, because this is a. Um, this is an interesting dynamic that i'm dealing with in terms of organizational management and strategy right is that mm-hmm. the old concept of am i down for the movement being attached to am i coming to a six o'clock meeting inside of a physical edifice uh that mm-hmm. reality is shifting right you got um, that right brother. or or am i connected because i paid thirty dollars for nacp membership that narrative is also changing in terms of what it means to be active and engaged in the movement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now, you know, we have young we have young people who, you know, throughout their social media platform, uh, have a network of tens of thousands of individuals, right? Uh, and that, mm-hmm. that number grows exponentially as you look at the uh, the way the the social media uh, yeah. network expands, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of who view you know impressions, you say, in terms of, of say who
1: content in. Dependent I've seen certain things that I've done, you know, I've done certain videos for certain people t- taking off twenty five thousand hits. Absolutely. Some people seven hits. Absolutely. It all depends on how you engage it, how you create it, and who you connect it to.
0: Absolutely. And so I, I I say that to say this is that, you know, the, the movement I'm not I'm not in no way suggesting that we abandon, you know, tried and proven tactics that the NACP has had for a hundred and plus years. You know, but I use the analogy in one of our national board meetings just recently is that if McDonald's, as strong as a brand as they are in terms of selling their hamburgers, never said, let's listen to the market uh, and started picking up a breakfast sandwich or picked up a salad. Um, not that they stopped selling hamburgers right being true to who they really they're they're never one profit
1: margin right now it's a big cafe because they need exactly Starbucks money brother
0: exactly but they diversified uh, their strategy and their product and I'm only suggesting is that as a 17 year old in this movement um, I would not abandon the ways of old you have some Mm -hmm. institutions that need to be supported Uh, and that goes you know there's a lot to be said for institutions that are important to your community when you look at mm-hmm. the Jewish community, when you look at the Arab community, when you look at na- Native American communities, Asian communities, a lot of emphasis is put on institution building, mm-hmm. uh, institutions that have supported your community for, um, for generations. And so by no means would I ever suggest abandoning the institutions that have supported you. But I would say leverage and utilize the new technologies, the new space to, to raise your voice to mm-hmm. a level of activism where you can be a, uh, a force to be reckoned with and impactful. Uh, and so there are a number of things you can do across your social media uh, mediums. Uh, you can use that to engage and connect and mobilize to support institutions that are important to you whether it's NACP, whether it's your church, whether it's your school, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's fraternities or sororities, whatever it may be that's important to you. Um, I would utilize that to make sure you're reaching back and pulling it forward uh, to the future to make a difference for your today. Uh, So look around you, look in your school, what you want to change, get busy, organize and mobilize and be the change you wish to see. All
1: right. So now we can get into the classic Detroit is different questions. It's been a great podcast. I didn't even get into all the social dynamics and stuff. Um, One of the classic stories, Donnell gave me some tickets to. The Barack Obama 2008 (laughs) inauguration. I remember he was like, yo, I need you to uh, be one of the chaperones because, you know, the the little homies. I used to interact with the youth (laughs) at the NAACP a whole lot. And they were like, they wanted you to help. They wanted you to help. And I was like, you know, negotiating early. This is early business. I'm like, well, if I go, then you're going to have to bring some other little homies for me. He was like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'll get you two tickets. Mm Mm-hmm. It was so funny. And I love to see both of those young ladies at this point in time. Just the whole experience was mm-hmm. unique. But the whole mm-hmm. time, I'm just looking at them. And they're like, i never been outside Detroit. Right. And then just that many people. Yeah. yeah. And Lord knows, like, you, I mean, you. it was so many people at that. And I went to the Million Man March. It seemed like six times as many people. Mm-hmm. You. It was, it was dynamic. So I, I definitely want to thank you again for that mm-hmm. as I have thanked you before because just seeing them react to the whole being there. Mm-hmm. And so many of the other people being there, and even myself being there, mm-hmm. not knowing what his presidency would, would be, but what it represented, as we always say, That's that right. I got a nephew that will never feel as though how I felt when I was his age, That's that right. there'll never be a black president.
0: Just it's think of the like, possibilities. Exactly. It's like, it a okay, the
1: opportunity presents itself. But Class of Detroit is different questions. What was your very first car? And... What type of car was it? What year did you get that car? And what year was it made? And where was the first place you went when you got it?
0: Oh, man. You know, I have to start back to the the first car that I was able to, uh, you know, call my own. I remember my mom helped me out. It was the Buick Skylark. It was blue. Uh, And we rode it. You know, when they say ride it till the wheels fall off, the, the, the wheels didn't come off. But almost everything else did, you know. And so I remember... The AC did not work, you ah, know, and I remember. The car with no uh, AC in the
1: summertime, boy. <laughs> that's the only light, way.
0: That's the only way to cut your teeth, man. You don't realize at a red you light,
1: know. you feel like if like if somebody <laughs> like well, not a red light. If somebody slows at a yellow, you feel like oh, taking yeah. a pop here. Oh,
0: and yeah. just uh! <laughs> <laughs> and So you you know you haven't lived until you've been in the car with the the AC out. And the driver window that don't roll down, uh, you know, Gosh. consistently. Ooh. You know, it rolled Ooh. down, but it rolled down when it wanted to, you know. And uh, but those hot days coming down I seventy five when I had my internship out at uh, Crooks Road with Henry Ford, you know. And then it, you know it had the gas leak at one point. So you know, I'm, you know, I've never delved into uh, you know substances to alleviate, you know, elevate the mind, but. You know, some of those rides getting home, brother. I don't know how I made it because I was, I was a little uh, lightheaded and dizzy there uh, smelling those gas fumes. What, and what so,
1: year was the car?
0: That was a, uh, <sighs> what year was, I, I want to say it was a 93. And what year did you have it? Um, That would have been, I think that was, uh, that was at '01.
1: Okay, where was the first place you went when you got it?
0: Uh, probably to work, you know. That was like <laughs> that was like the only, you know, you know. It was way,
1: like your mama was so much like my mom. You only got a car. Then, you a know, child. and then I, <laughs> I th-
0: then I think it was uh, 2007 when I got the 2003 uh, Marauder, and I remember picking it up at um, Ford down there off of Jefferson. Uh, I put my tribe called Quest CD in the uh, in the in the CD deck, and as I pull out, you know, you heard the. R- 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 that was the that was the midnight marauder you know the, the hook you know uh this one of my favorite groups and we'll so we'll
1: start we'll start with I some down
0: blues. to uh went down to jenkins construction buddy of mine uh james jenkins the third uh he came out he jumped in you know went over to uh the west side you know you gotta show the family and the friends right yeah you rolled through you, here yeah you knew okay. you, whip and so you rolled through uh, here yeah that was pulled uh up
1: on me and bj
0: and that was uh, that was the first car there I actually physically put, you know, my cash down. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and left the dealership there.
1: And all right, if you had to rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why?
0: Hmm. Rename Woodward after one Detroiter. Hmm. That's a good question there. Let's see. Hmm. So many giants. Heroes and sheroes. Um, you know, I I would probably lift up the name of Coleman Young uh, because you talk about Woodward being the first uh, mm-hmm. paved highway, and you talk about Coleman being the uh, the first of a uh, major city. You know, African American mayor and and all that he has meant in terms of the, you know, as a golfer. You see, I'm I'm sitting here with my golf gear on now. You know, but to hear the story of you know as Coleman took mayor and to go to the Detroit Golf Club and say. You know, I'll be damned if there's a golf club in my city where an African-American can't be a part of. And to be the first African-American member of the Detroit Golf Club, you know, I can only see riding down Coleman A. Young uh, Boulevard on my way to the Detroit Golf Club uh, to let him know we have arrived.
1: Hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) All right. All right. And uh, I only got two more Detroit questions for you. Detroit is different, so you know we got them. All right. If somebody out of town never even heard of Detroit hmm and they're like I want to go somewhere mm-hmm. where's the first place you take them
0: in the city of Detroit yep hmm I want to go somewhere now is this to eat is this to hang out it could be anything. Is this to hang to out to get the eat, flavor of the city it
1: could be get the flavor of Detroit is they got off the plane and it's like let's do
0: something mm-hmm hmm I probably would want to get some food in them uh, so I would either say, let's head over to Baker's and let them get a little history. Um, or I would say, let's go down to Cutters and hang out with some good people, both, you know, old school <laughs> old school Detroit Hallmarks who was who was there before the areas got popping, right? Mm-hmm. Now you ride up Livernois. And this yep. is what I was going back about, the old lady who was holding down her house on the corner, right? Mm-hmm. You know, before Livernois was popping and doing what it was doing, Baker's was... Was striving to make it work, right? Yeah. Uh, before Easter Market was, you know, a destination. You know, you had Cutters who was a yeah. black-owned business and serving yeah. some of the best foods you can find. I,
1: I want to say that uh, back when we had our studio over there, I, I used to. Uh, that was like my boardroom. Mm-hmm. I should. I probably bought you your first Cutters drink, brother,
0: <laughs> as I did for many people. <laughs> Shout out to Charles turkey Nolan burger. down there when those steak bites at Cutters.
1: Steak bites, the turkey burger. <laughs> Everything about cutters is um, everything. It's yes, aggressive. The all you can drink day. <laughs> and that's a, uh, that, that's
0: two for those who partake. Yes, for those for those who partake. Even even butchers when butchers was going. Oh, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all about oh, yeah. cutters. I remember butchers those twenty five cent wing nights. Yes, the yes. whole wing.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Boxing matches. Yeah, just it, it's a it's it's one of those things that is definitely as people talk about going to eastern market and not feeling welcome and just the way that i see eastern market is so different mm-hmm. as so many Detroiters feel as though they're not welcome mm-hmm. in some of the spaces as they're quote-unquote revitalized or quote-unquote redeveloped or mm-hmm. any of these other reads that basically say that you know i guess more white people come to detroit than from before
0: mm. well you know there's a lot of perspectives out there and that feeds that narrative of two detroits right about those who get to enjoy it uh, versus mm-hmm. those who are uh, trapped within it yeah
1: yeah man it's been great how do people get in contact with you what should people do what should people do if they want to find out more about you find out more about the branch or just you know comment
0: Hey, well one has been a pleasure, way. Thanks for having me on, brother. I hope this is not the last time. Not at all. Uh, being in the Detroit is different studio. I, I see. I see you more know.
1: business and more opportunities Absolutely. happening. Uh, Donnell has a whole different type of network Of people with ideas and stuff And so I'm going to tap his brain for more people I know one of the number one people Even though she's going to be hard to catch up with Is your mom's Oh yeah,
0: you if you get her, tell her I said hey <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not about to say that Because I already know what she going to say to me
0: Yeah, but Detroit has been a pleasure uh, As always uh, I'm here to support and to serve um, You can reach us at the NACP At 313-871-2087 uh, we're online at DetroitNAACP.org. O-R-G. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, and probably some other outlets that I'm not thinking. Uh, and and now that I'm throwing this out here, away, I have to do a much better job and posting and getting on board. But I'm on yes. all those as well. Yes, uh, you can uh, follow me at DrWhite411. Uh, D.R. White 411 and that's on all the social media fronts uh, and I promise if you hit me up I'll, I'll find a way because I, I can't accept no no new people but I heard it's a different way to yeah. create a new page or yeah, something you so, need a fan page so we're going to work through that yeah. and uh, you got provide a some signal space too, brother? you got a bad <laughs>
1: signal what if uh, what if Commissioner Gordon wants to reach you? oh yeah he knows how to get me <laughs>
0: <laughs> he knows how to get me but no I, I in, in and with all jokes aside you know if you reach out to us at the nacp we're going to do everything within our power to be responsive uh and to work with you to solve what issues it may be whether it's uh, referring you to someone uh, who we know that can can respond in a better way uh, or uh, responding to the challenge uh, by um, within our our own agency and association and um and uh, working with you very directly and so uh, you'll find space uh, you'll be surprised, you'll be encouraged, uh, but we invite you to come back home to the NAACP. It's been a pleasure way. Respect. Peace. Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network Weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never before told stories from the people of Detroit.